with Harry Broad and Tony Acero. I think that'll be enough of that theme song. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the reaction, October 6, 2014. I am your slightly less than 100% host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, is Tony Acero. Tony, can you hear me? Yes, I could hear you, Harry. I think that you and I have the same problem. What up, Pete? You're a dick. <laughs> And sitting in to help us through tonight due to the fact that, well, I sound like I do, Jimmy Christopher. Jimmy, can you hear me? I can hear you, Harry. Hold on. You have theme music. I figured I'd make you feel special, bud. That's fantastic. Harry, are you eating something? You sound like you got something in your mouth. Uh, I have a lacerated tongue. A lacerated tongue? Well, yeah, which which is basically a fancy way of saying my tongue was bleeding. Your tongue was bleeding. You know, you're supposed to chew the candy before you eat it. I'm not even going to go there. Did Adrian Peterson make you go get the switch? (laughs) You're both horrible people. (laughs) Tony Fasero. Tony has seen music too. Mm-hmm. His is much better than mine. <laughs> well, in fairness, his goes back to the Greg DeMarco show, though. Because uh, I am a Greg DeMarco guy. I'm going to have to get booked I, on that next. Uh, it, it. Good luck with that. Oh, jeez. It is deep. Greg's long out of the game. All right, guys, so uh, let's get to the reason we're here. Let's talk about Raw, shall we? Let's do it. Excellent. Um, okay. Usually I, I check the sites. I check 401. I check the Insider. I check all the various news sites and stuff. 
I didn't have a chance to do so today because of a hectic schedule in addition to dealing with the personal situation I'm dealing with. And I'm really, really glad I didn't. Uh, we had a certain friend of the family come back tonight. Uh, how surprised were you at the appearance of none other than The Rock tonight on Raw, Tony? You know what? When Mini Gator came out, I couldn't believe it. It was the shock of the century. I was like, what? A Mini Gator? What? Um, no, The Rock Man. was the surprise, obviously. Um, I, I, was, I wasn't shocked because I read that he might, may or may not show up. Because, you know, that's what 411 Mania does when they report they um, go the Schrodinger way and say that they may or may not do this or that. Um, so, so it wasn't a surprise, but it was pleasant. It was awesome. And it was also kind of sad because it shows the comparison, not of the Attitude Era per se versus today, but simply someone that can handle the microphone versus someone that is scripted, which isn't to say they can't handle it, simply that they are scripted. Um, so it, it was it was one of those things where it was really cool to see. And... You know what's weird about The Rock is that a lot of people are going to say he came in, he beat up Rusev, he left. That's it. But The Rock has an uncanny way of building up the character, even with words, before beating them up. Um, and it was very important that he do that. And I was waiting for him to do it. And he did it. He built up Rusev. He said he was, you know, scarier than everybody in the back. Gave him a lot of clout. Called Lana, uh, Lana hot. Said she was a beautiful woman. Like, he built the characters up. Yeah, he beat he beat them up, he tossed them out of the ring, he laid the smack down. But it was, a, it was done in such a way that Rusev essentially got a rub, you know? He was, he, got, he was in the ring with The Rock. And whether people feel that The Rock isn't a big deal or isn't as big as a deal as he once was, I have to disagree. I didn't like his program the last time he was around, but it doesn't take away from the the aura that he brings once he's back, once he's in the ring, once he's on the microphone, and once he's, you know, talking. So I was very happy. Jimmy, your thoughts? I definitely agree with everything Tony just said. The Rock is just one of those personalities that, I mean, when he returns, he makes any sort of appearance for WWE, it's a big deal. Regardless of what he's actually doing or what storyline he's running, the man carried an era on his back in the WWE, and he's just one of those guys that everybody knows, everyone's going to remember, and everyone's very excited when he returns. And, of course, once he steps into the ring and gets on the mic, the charisma takes over all the insults, all the, you know, fun, excitement, and all that. But as Tony said, too, he put them over. He put over their characters. He built them up. You know, he talked about how Rusev was the bigger, stronger, scariest guy in the locker room. He talked about how Lana was smoking... Or right, that's already yeah. He called her smoking hot and whatnot. It was the perfect way to give them enough credit to where this is coming from the Rock. That way, the people need to keep taking him seriously, even though after he gave them all the compliments, the Rock laid the smackdown. I thought it was a perfect balance of giving and taking away and keeping the crowd interested. Not to mention, it's the Rock; they're going to be interested. Do you agree or disagree with the placement of the segment? Because I made the point in the yes, Raw thread that I thought that that segment should have went on last. It absolutely should have been last. There was no following it. There was no one-upping it. I mean, the return of Ambrose was expected, I think. Uh, the hot dog cart was a nice touch at the end. We'll touch on that later. 
but nothing was going to up the electricity that The Rock was able to create with the fans tonight. Nothing was able to make that better. You know, when Rusev called out Big Show, everybody expected Big Show to come out, and, you know, it was big build-up, a big pause, and when The Rock's music finally hit, that was the big, oh, my gosh. I mean, I know that my, you know, all my social media uh, news feeds filled with the talk of The Rock returning and his how excited everybody was for that. And it just goes to show how much hype he still has, how much of a fan base that he still carries in the business. And I think tonight was just another example of that. Yeah. Um, as far as the placement on the show, I'm I'm really torn about it. Um, on one hand, it makes sense to end with The Rock because it's The Rock. And because it was one of those moments where, you know, like Tom said, there, uh, there's no topping it. There, there was no, there's no, um, nothing was better after that. However, I mean, this is this is where I differ. This is where I feel I have to put my fanboy aside and consider the show as a whole. It's not the Rock show anymore. It's not the it's not the Rock isn't the focal point. The Rock isn't the star. The Rock is not going to be there next week. So, um, seeing him in the middle of the show, it worked for me mainly because it meant that he wasn't doing what everyone was waiting to complain about. And you know you're going to see it online. You know you're going to see, oh, The Rock came in and hogged the spotlight. He did this, that, and whatever. Well, guess what? He didn't. He was in the middle of the show. He helped a mid-carder at best. He didn't take away from anything. And right now the stars were still the stars. You can't argue about part-timers coming back and stealing spotlights because he didn't do that. He helped somebody out. He was in the middle of the show. And The Rock, The Rock is one of the few part-timers that doesn't have to come back. He doesn't have to do this at all. He didn't have to do any of this. So although I, I see the merit and ending with him mainly because he's The Rock, I also see, or at least I hope, that they didn't do that because he's no longer the face or possible future of the of the show, of the product. I think if the rumored thing that's supposed to go down between The Rock and Roman Reigns happens, we'll see more of The Rock in the main event spotlight on the episodes of Raw. However, for a relatively unannounced appearance like tonight's was, it made sense that he would go on during the course of the show as a special surprise to the fans that were watching. In addition, and I believe this was pointed out on the Yes thread as well, it was halftime of the NFL game when The Rock showed up without being announced mm. that he was coming at halftime. Well, here I am giving them props, and it was just to foil the NFL. Damn it. <laughs> well, I don't necessarily know that that was the intention of it, because they don't know when they're going to go to halftime in the NFL game, but at the same time. Yeah, well, it sounds more like up their alley than what I was saying. Uh, to be hopeful. Yeah, I definitely agree with Tony. I'm sorry to cut you off. I definitely agree with uh, what Tony just said, though, thinking about it and putting my fanboy-ness aside, you know, not to take away from the guys that are on the roster full-time. I mean, I definitely agree that the spot that Rusev Rusev and The Rock were in in the middle of the show gave them enough to not take away from the main. And maybe it really, honestly, I thought it saved the show now that I think about it. Because I said to myself when it happened, I was like, well, at least I didn't have to follow anything good to try to one-up it. Because, I mean, let's face it, when during that last match when they were literally chanting, this is stupid, 
then The Rock comes yeah. out in the next segment. Well, that's pretty much, you know, save the day. Here I come. Yeah. Yeah, they, that was definitely a saving grace. Because, man, I Absolutely. was I mean, and the sad thing is, is the person I feel the sorriest for all that whole bit in the previous segment is Heath Slater and Titus O'Neil because there's a lot of potential for them as a tag team. Because being involved in stupid segments like the one that we saw tonight is going to do nothing but hurt the potential credibility that they might have down the line. If they were going to have any potential credibility, they'd be used more than house shows or not to shit on their program, but SmackDown. They mm. they need to get more bookings on Raw. They need to get... I mean, that's the, that's the showcase show every week. That's the front runner. That's the one everybody watches. I mean, I admit that I definitely don't watch as many SmackDowns as I do Raw. And if you're going to get anywhere, getting put over on the show that everybody watches is probably your first step. Right. They are. Yeah, they're relegated to a role. They're relegated to a role. They're not getting out of it. Um, well, I, I believe we've spoken about comedy and wrestling and how there is a definite place for it. Um, but similar to the Yes page, I have two rules in regards to comedy. First of all, is it offensive? Second, is it funnier than it is offensive? So, no, it's not offensive. A gator dressed hornswoggle is not offensive. I mean, it offends my intelligence, but that's about it. But is it funny? <laughs> is it entertaining? No, it's not. There's no redeemable qualities in it. I mean, you know, midget wrestling is always going to be a thing, um, just because it's part of the entire carny aspect of wrestling. But at the same time, when you've got wrestlers that have some semblance of potential, I mean, I, I wrote in the Raw report as a joke, uh, El Torito came out with his two mascots, Los Matadores. Like, that's essentially what this is. The um, the little dudes are getting more play than, than the actual wrestlers, which isn't to say that these guys aren't talented. I mean, Hornswoggle's average at best, but El Torito's, he's got some moves for a little shit. You know, so it's it's commendable to see him in the ring. But at the same time, like, eh, how much more can you take? And then I always like to think that you should relegate maybe one com, com, uh, comedic skit at most, you know. But we've got these guys, and then we've got Adam Rose and Kathy Lee, who I thought died, um, oh, like, twice. And, like, what was that? Breaking bottles on asses? And I... I, I We're going to get to that. Yeah. It's just a lot, a lot of stuff that, you know, so you, you get this and then you get the, 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 you take whoever books the show. You know, it's almost as if they say, hey, you got hour one, you got hour two, you got hour three. Do what you got to do. Instead of looking at it as a whole, as a unit, as episodic television and considering the fact that not only do you need to lead into next week, but you have to have a cohesive unit as one during this week. And I just don't think they get that. <clears throat> One of the other things, too, that came out of that for me was the fact that I think it had everything to do with the placement right there because of what it what it preceded it inside of the ring in regards to the Hornswoggle and, or, or the Mini Gator and Cerrito segment. No, The Rock was a saving grace tonight. I don't think anybody would argue that. I mean, and in all honesty, I agree with the other point Tony just made in that midget wrestling is a thing. Those two, I liked what they did when Three Man Band was actually still a thing and Hornswoggle was their representative against El Torito. Those matches were actually slightly entertaining. They were pretty enjoyable, as a matter of fact. 
But this whole thing where he's basically crawling around blindly charging El Dorito and then nothing happening to the many Gator Rolls Slater, I just didn't get it. And when the people started chanting the, this is stupid, I, I just kind of clicked the mute button and went back to Facebook. And I'm glad I turned the mute button off when, you know, Rusev came out because that was the saving grace. That was the big, whoa, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And, you know, I'm marked out for that. I don't care. But as far as that goes, yeah, I agree that the midget wrestling is not offensive, but it's also not entertaining with the way they're using it right now. You raise an excellent point when you go back to the, the battles that they were having in regards to the Matadors and three-man band. And one of the biggest surprises of this year has to be the WLC match from the pre-show before Extreme Rules. Yeah, I love that uh, match, actually. That was one of the ones I was definitely thinking about when I just mentioned that. Um, you know, I watched the pre-matches before, the dark matches of the pre-show, or whatever you'll have, call it, uh, before all the pay-per-views. And I thought that match was actually really fantastic. It told a story. It was enjoyable to watch. And there was a story that had led up to it. It wasn't just, oh, we're going to throw this on the pre-show to entertain you guys before the real show happens. It was an actual thing. It was... It was something that people were interested in at that point. It was different, and it was entertaining. And that's why I think they enjoyed that more than what was put on tonight. Especially when you consider that a guy like Drew McIntyre was bumping his ass off in that match. Uh, You look thirsty, Tony. I'm always thirsty. I figured you might be. What is going on over there? Um, it's a guinea pig, actually. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, it's is, a, is that like, a little lady. I was going to say, is that like our version of Randall's cat? Yes. Oh, jeez. All right, first do. Yeah, let's start this show off proper, huh, with some A.J. Lee. Um... You know, the we had a tag match between um, Alicia Fox and Paige, and then AJ comes out, and they're saying that she's got a new partner. And her face alone says, God, why her? <laughs> and then out comes Emma. It, it, it just, first of all, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun seeing her, um, especially after the, you know, she got fired. <laughs> but, I mean, I just want to highlight the amazingness that is AJ Lee, mainly because she's hot, but also because... She does the little things, the little things, you know, like the facial features, like she rolled her eyes when Emma's music hit, and then, you know, it comes into the story where she basically just drops the match and says, you know, F this, I'm out, just simply because Emma's having too much fun, and AJ's, like, taking it a little too seriously. Um, It just shows the, uh, I don't want to say progression, but at the very least, there was something new, because last week, I believe I complained about adding Alicia Fox into this. I still disagree with her addition into it all. I think that she's just not the right person for it. But we can't complain about stuff that's already happened and continue onward without, you know, sounding like a broken record. So if we're going to accept this as it is, then they're bringing in uh, at least a new face. I mean, I don't see this as a weekly ordeal, but it just Emma's presence helped to not only accentuate AJ's annoyance, but also to bring us back into um, Emma's fold, kind of showing like, you know, she still exists. This is why and this is what she brings to the table. 
your thoughts on the on the Divas tag match involving the champion tonight, Jimmy? Oh, I enjoyed it. Um, like I do agree a lot with what Tony says. AJ is very good at selling the idea of what her story is supposed to be with her facial features. She doesn't just kind of stand there all angry. Like, I hate the Bella Twins, and I'm sure we can deal with that crap later, but they don't do anything with their faces. They are about as emotionless as Kirsten Stewart, and I just, I can't get into it. Like, and what, like, AJ does, she does roll the eyes, she does do the kind of angry smirk. She does the unhappy look. She does the big, crazy smile. She sells whatever she's trying to put over with her face, with her ideas. She makes people believe that her emotions are real, and that's what you're supposed to do as a wrestler, as an entertainer. Because if you don't, people are going to go, oh, well, why do you have the same face when you're happy and when you're angry? And that's basically what the other divas tend to do. You know, either they're faces and they're happy all the time or they're, you know, heels and they're angry all the time. Then you have AJ who kind of understands the difference between the two. And I would like to see a little more, you know, work uh, in that department from the other divas. Um, This leads me to two questions about this segment for you guys to answer here. One, do you object to Emma being involved in the storyline with AJ and Paige going forward? And two, how do you feel about a babyface walking out on a tag match? Because usually it's not something that you traditionally see. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm not against Emma being in it for the long run, because I think that she's kind of got that, other personalities that I don't think that she's been able to use yet since her main goal in the first portion of her career so far has been to keep Santino in the friend zone. But I also now think that if she's given an opportunity to kind of get in, uh, not so much angry with uh, AJ Lee, but more so upset with her. I don't know how exactly I want to explain it. I I want to see her get a a heel turn, I guess. It's probably the best way to put it. And maybe eventually she just gets fed up with AJ and her antics and you know, instead of AJ going heel like I'm sure everyone expects her to after she walked out tonight, uh Emma turns on her and goes, "I'm tired of being walked out on and I'm not going to take it anymore." And they kind of go from there. And I think that Emma could definitely do something because she's still a solid worker. And I'd like to see her do something in the future. And I don't. that's why I don't mind AJ walking out today because I'm hoping if they're going to use the long-run storyline with Emma, that's the direction that they go. Um, Tony, yeah, your thoughts? AJ, AJ can do whatever the fuck she wants. Oh, jeez. Um... <laughs> Put aside my personal feelings for a second. She's not a face. She's not a heel. She's a character, and she's a great character. Her mindset and her ability to um, emote has never faltered. It has never really changed. Um, simply because she's not doing heelish things doesn't mean that she's all of all of a sudden a baby kissing, you know, best friend to everybody thing. And that's one of the things that I like about her. And there's various other wrestlers that do the same thing where their attitude doesn't change, their alignment changes. So 
I don't see it as too big of a deal of her walking out the title because at the end of the day, that's all she's ever cared about. And what is she doing here? If, if Emma's not going to take this seriously, why should she? So she walks out. In regards to adding Emma to the program, um, I don't think the Paige versus AJ thing is done. I would like for it to, you know, continue. Adding Emma means that there's another character involved, and if done right, then I don't mind it. I just remember, I just, I was opposed to Alicia Fox for the various reasons that I said last week, where it's the third crazy person, she doesn't get to do it as well as AJ and Paige, and she's just kind of really bad in the ring. But then you got Emma, who's really good in the ring, who has a character that's completely different from all of them, albeit still crazy. Um, <laughs> and um, just, I think that she could bring some semblance of quality to um, anything, you know, so I, I don't mind her present. Yeah, Emma brings kind of a weird crazy quality, whereas Alicia brings that turn-the-channel crazy quality. Yeah, someone may or may not die tonight type of quality. Whereas Emma's got that weird wackiness about her that you don't know if and when she's going to snap because you could mm -hmm. possibly see it coming. Correct. You guys ready to pay some bills and then get into some quick hits here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. The reaction is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio in association with ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. www.ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. In addition, you can listen to us through Blog Talk Radio. And as I understand it, we're now on iTunes, Tony. What? That's awesome. Yeah, I know. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I am the play-by-play -play voice of Real Action Pro Wrestling. In addition to doing, well, pretty much whatever's asked of me down at Black Diamond Wrestling. Uh, Jimmy, I know you're a well-known referee throughout the same circuit that I work as well, so why don't you... Go ahead and remind everybody what you're up to. Jimmy. I, I, I think we lost him. I'm here. Am I here? Yeah. Am I did you lacerate your tongue? Did you lacerate your tongue? No, I didn't find any sharp objects. <laughs> why don't you go uh, and talk? No, why I'm... don't you go ahead and... Well, I'm a referee from the uh, local northern Ohio area. I do a lot of work with many uh, local promotions, such as RAPW and Black Diamond. Uh, you know, and I'm a, I'm a new father. That's what I've been doing recently. I got a three-month-old in my house and won't leave me alone. I hear um, I hear those things demand a lot of attention. They do. He he's yeah. definitely a wrestling fan though, so I know I'm doing something right. He sat through all of Raw. He even sat through the Hornswoggle segment. So I mean, he's got the patience well, of the fan right now. In fairness to him, stuffed alligator equals cool. <laughs> right. So more or less, he probably thought it was the most entertaining portion of the night. <laughs> Tony, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about what you do for Four One One Mania? Um. Sorry, I'm eating a taco. Um, I do the weekly Raw report, which means I write what you don't want to see. Um, it can get tedious, but it's a lot of fun. And I, I always mention the comment section. It's no different today. Um, they were especially hilarious today. Um, <laughs> it is essentially, um, I mean, before this show, you know, I have to watch Raw. This is more of a um, 
a way to watch it while getting intent into it, you know, like, I mean, we've spoken about it before. Doing a recap is a bit more intensive than simply watching the show. And um, right. what I like about the Raw Report. Yeah, having used to write reports for uh, for Greg when he was still doing Wrestling Smash, I understand where you're coming from there, how it takes a lot more concentration and a lot more focus to do to watch an episode of Raw while you're typing out a report for a website for it than it would be just watching it. And especially in your case, because you're doing it for arguably probably the third or fourth biggest wrestling website in the world. Yeah, and it's probably the most read column, I'd have to say. Um, not column, but report. So oh, it's easily. A lot of, yeah, I don't want to say pressure. I don't really, I don't really ever feel pressured, um, but it's a lot of responsibility. All right, you guys ready for some quick hits here? Yeah. Let's do it. All right, we briefly we briefly touched on it twice already, so let's go ahead and get it out of the way. Um, shenanigans aside, what did you guys think of Torito Gator? Um, if I never saw it again, I wouldn't care. Um, it's not it's not that I hated it. It's just indifferent. It's complete indifference. Like the fat chick at the club, you just really don't pay attention to her. Um, it's just kind of there. You hear me? I, I'm uh, I'm not really a fan of them at all. I've always been a big Slater guy, but not so much Titus O'Neil. I kind of think that they could actually do something with Slater that's halfway entertaining and real wrestling. So that's kind of how I feel about that. So I'd, I'd rather Honestly, they just split up and get rid of Titus and they let Hornswoggle go back to living under the ring and then let Heath Slater do something in singles. Honestly, the person I think would get the most benefit out of any, everything coming to an end and all characters coming from scratch here would probably be Titus O'Neil, actually, because I think we've discussed that here on the reaction before, that there's a fan base for him. It's just yeah. we never see it accessed because there's the potential for him to be a superstar within regards to all the stuff for the promotional work that he does. Uh, the Father's Day commercial that he was in, the stuff with the breast cancer awareness commercial that he's a part of as well. And in addition to the fact that when he was doing the random characters and stuff, he was getting babyface reactions while part of the heel tag team with uh, the primetime players. Another thing that I could see happening too is a potential reunion for the primetime players going forward as well, which I think might help the tag team division because at this point, the Usos and the, and the Dust Brothers are pretty much the only two teams that we have inside of the tag team division with any kind of credibility yeah. left. You know, it took me about a year, maybe a year and a half, to even remotely like Heath Slater. Um, like, the character was boring. He was really sloppy. But then he just... It wasn't that his character caught on. He started showing activeness in the ring. He looked pretty good. He grew as a person um, and as a wrestler. And, and I'm really starting to enjoy him. Also, the fact that if you give him anything... He's wor- he's trying to make it work, you know. Um, I feel the he same has way that Santino. To... I was going to say yeah, he has Santino that Santino Morella quality about him. Yeah, and um, I, I want to say the same thing about Titus, although he's not quite past that point where I like him. There's moments, there's flashing moments where he just looks like a badass in the ring, um, a huge dude ready to just kick ass, and then he does something funny. Or he has those off comments that I feel that are the ones that are not scripted. That's just his character. It's how he is outside of the ring. 
outside of the WWE. Stuff like pay window or, you know, a good match if it slapped you in the face. They're just a little sound bites that he does a lot. Those are funny. You give him some mic time, he gets a little sloppy. He gets a little, he needs some guidance. He needs a little bit of, of, of um, you know, narrowing his points. But that comes with coaching. That comes with experience. And, and Titus is, I feel, one of those wrestlers who, given the right opportunity and push and time to grow as a performer, will do a lot. I just, he's not going to get it this way, obviously. Y'all wouldn't know entertainment if it slapped you in the face. <laughs> there it is. Uh, Titus O'Neil, I just, yeah, I agree. I just don't like his character. I don't think there's anything there. Yeah. He's just not entertaining to me, so that's why and I need some sort of director to go with. Yeah. Uh, moving on, let's talk about the six-man tag match that opened up Raw. Why didn't the tag champs get a TV entrance? Can I ask <laughs> that without sounding stupid? Like, hey, we're the champs. Hey, you don't get TV time. Wait, what? We have Harry on the show with a lacerated tongue. You will not sound stupid, regardless of what you say. Oh, okay, cool. Well, now I don't sound, <laughs> now I don't feel bad about anything I'm going to say the rest of the night. <laughs> no, I just I thought it was weird. Like I was sitting there, and the commercials came back, and Goldust and Stardust are already in the ring, and I'm just like, what the hell did I just miss? So I rewound, and I went back, and. They're waiting in the ring. I'm just like, how are the champions <laughs> not getting any TV entrance? Like they're, they're, They have the belts. Those are the guys that you need to promote and show on television. And you gave them two seconds before the, the siren started for Cesaro's entrance, and he's just, ah, what happened to that guy? They <laughs> buried him faster than they could... Oh my gosh! I don't even have like an intelligent analogy for how fast they buried him. That's how bad it is. Poor Cesaro. I mean, don't get me wrong. The match in itself was very good. I give the match a six out of ten. Uh, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, drop dead gorgeous fantasticness, but it wasn't bad in the least. That I thought the triple uh, super kick should have been the finish, but. You know, they wanted to do the Uso splash thing. So I was like, whatever, Uso crazy. But, like, my biggest complaint was the whole no TV entrance for the champions. I mean, that's that's half the best part. That's the part that everybody at home wants to see. They want to see Cody come out and be really creepy and weird and hang out by the Titantron before he even realizes, hey, I'm supposed to go down to the ring and do stuff. And they didn't even get that tonight. I... <clears throat> I also questioned the lack of an entrance for the tag champs. Uh, Tony, in regards to the tongue comment... That's not cool. <laughs> Speaking of cool, you should get some ice for that. Burn! Um, so, yeah, the tag match was a tag match. Uh, it's a six-man. You expect some semblance of greatness. Uh, you expect three out of five stars, six out of ten rating, whatever it may be. So... It wasn't anything surprising, um, but at the same time, I thought the ending was great. I thought it picked up speed, and a lot of times you could tell that these things are completely choreographed, and you don't care because it looks so awesome. This was one of those times. Um, I agree that the super kick should have ended it. Uh, it just looked really cool. Um, <clears throat> uh, but, you know, they wanted to give Anuso a win. They wanted to give, the, you know, the legal man the win, you know, all that other good stuff. So um, it was a little shorter than I expected. I think there's a lot of telling uh, things in here. The, the crowd wanted Ziggler. 
the crowd really wanted Ziggler. So it kind of goes to show who's really the top star here, or who should be at the very least. And that's kind of sad when you have someone like Cesaro in the ring because he could have already been something huge. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, whether he shat in somebody's bag, slept with someone wrong, smells funny, smokes, I don't know. He's just not the person that they're allowing to do. I'm hoping he has a long enough shelf li- or a long enough life where he's going to um, be something eventually. But for whatever reason, they're not pulling the plug or pulling the pulling the trigger, not the plug. Don't pull the plug. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they already tried to pull the plug. Jeez. Yeah, like more than once. Um, but right. it's just sad to see even the crowd is going along with it, and that that's unfortunate. Well, Cesaro got a very strong pop for his entrance. whoop de doo well, I guess somebody would have to, since not... the champs didn't get any TV time in theirs. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> You're not going to let this one go, are you, Jimmy? No. It's stupid. Why are you not giving people who are your champions television time? That makes zero sense. It's like keeping your heavyweight champion off of the main show. It's just, I don't know who does that. No idea. We got to touch on it. Kathy, Lori, and Hoda. Um, no, I'm not, even, I'm not even Hoda? saying anything about this. <laughs> no, it was dumb. It was stupid, and it was dumb. And Adam Rose should know better, and that stupid bunny should know better, too. Maybe I'm just out of the loop. I don't know who Hoda is. I don't care to know who she is. I remember Kathy from when I was younger, and she looks younger than I do now. I, I don't know what she's on Plastic or not on. Is an amazing, yeah. is an amazing thing. Um, it was pointless, as per usual. I'd say uh, every eight uh, guest Raw hosts is some semblance of cool or importance or bring something to the show. This is one of the other seven. Um, there is nothing. There's that nothing. So, yeah, there's more like to say. <laughs> now, that's right, like an excellent number, like one out of eight. That's like a perfect number. Yeah. <laughs> well, last thing to touch on here on Quick Hits, Jack Swagger, Tyson Kidd. I, I wish Swagger would stop trying to hurt people in the ring. That's That's a, that's a big thing for me. I mean, he already took out Barrett, and I love having bad news for people. But then he tried to, you know, drop Tyson Kidd on his head tonight, doing the whole transfer into the Patriot Lock or whatever. And I don't, yeah, I don't well, know I what it was. Supposed, I think it's supposed to come off as a variation of a flapjack. Well, it came off as a variation of, oh, God, help me. <laughs> That's that's how I saw it. I literally saw Tyson's kid, Tyson kid's life flash before my eyes, and I said, "Well, at least he saw Maddie naked." <laughs> yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? Oh, it's good to see Tyson on Raw. I'm afraid yeah. I've got some bad news. Oh, I miss uh, you, Barrett. Come back to us. <laughs> Seriously. Um, it's great to see him on Raw. It isn't so cool, however, to see him wearing beats at the same time that I am, making me feel like maybe I'm a douche. Um, <laughs> uh, do you feel any If it makes you feel to... better, Tony, you are. Oh, okay, cool. I just need confirmation. But, Harry, do you feel any closer to Jack Swagger having now shared his speech impediment? 
That's not cool. <laughs> That's not cool. Um, you know, it's 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 funny. Tyson is amazing in the ring. I mean, he is. He was my favorite two years ago, where every match he had, I had to just watch and enjoy the shit out of. He's just like a a star under the radar that people just don't know, don't see, or don't care. Uh, maybe because of his size, because of the way he's booked. I don't know, but he's just awesome. Um, this match was great. However, it did look like. Swagger was a little bit um, sloppy on some cases. I know that that was a flapjack. And Tyson's also, you know, went to the Dolph Ziggler school of selling, so he probably didn't protect himself as much as he should have, all for the sake of looking good, especially if you're on Raw for the first time in, like, forever. Um, you know, the NXT's portion notwithstanding. But, uh, uh, yeah, it, it was nice to see him. I hope that they're doing something. You saw a lot of his uh, heelish tendencies that he's been doing with Natty, putting her in front. And, you know, just being, you know, a dick. And I hope that it comes to fruition that he actually is a part of some sort of program or something bigger. I don't know what this means for Swagger, if anything. Um, but it was just kind of interesting to see Tyson Kidd, and I'm going to take that for as much as I can. Uh, we, we we in Pediment Havers, we have meetings every couple of weeks. I'll ask him next time I see him. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> In, in regards to Tyson Kidd, I think it's pretty important that we are going to see Tyson back on the main shows on a more regular basis, especially now with him having lost his final shot at Adrian Neville in the NXT Championship this past Thursday. At least that's what I'm hoping that means. That means that Tyson's going to come back up to the uh, to the main shows on a full-time basis. I hope mm-hmm. that them bringing Tyson up means that and not oh, we're going to put over the gimmick that your marriage is failing and that's what we're doing because that's the vibe I'm getting right now. And I really hope that's not what they're doing as far as like storyline-wise because I think that's freaking stupid. Because they're taking the story from Total Divas where they don't get along and they're putting that on Raw. And I'm just I'm praying that's not what's going on. Well, Jesus isn't answering because they're doing the Total Diva storylines and trying to meld them into Raw. I, I, at least that one, I could see him continuing on with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of speaking of Jesus storylines, let's touch on it real quick. Eric Harper's solo video. Your guys' thoughts? I I enjoy both of the vignettes tonight. As far as I mean, if we're going to talk about Rowan's later, Harper's has been great. You know, I think both of them were fantastic, though. I think both of them put over the idea of them eventually getting to, into singles competition, and they didn't even have to do a breakup. I mean, all it was was, I set you free. I release you. And that's it. And it's like, oh, my God, this is creepy as hell. And But it works. I really think it works. I give it a 9 out of 10. Um, yeah, I um, I feel the same way in regards to the breakup, like or lack thereof. Uh, man, that is so rare to be able to pull off. I mean, there's almost always a formulaic approach to tag teams breaking up, and we're going to see it with Cody and Goldust at any time now. And it's just sad. Like, do something different. Well, guess what? They just did, and it was pretty. It's pretty awesome to see. Moreover, last week, I don't know. Did they did they always do the Eric Rowan one, or was that just this week? No, that's the first Rowan debut tonight. Okay, because last week I thought, oh shit, they're they're 
pre- they're prepping Harper up for a singles push. They're giving him that edge. They're giving him importance. They're going to make him something. This week, we see a video for Rowan as well, and it's like, son of a bitch. They're doing something that I just thought they were not capable of. They're giving everyone an equal footing. So you're not just creating one star out of a tag team. There's not a Janetti here. That's very important because they don't do that. There's always going to be a Fat Hardy. There's always going to be a Janetti. There's always going to be a tag team wherein one of the people simply aren't as good as the other because of what they're used to doing. And then you see these videos and you see the way that they're being built up and you see the way that they're each given their own individualistic personalities, thereby making two single stars that are at equal footing instead of one that's better than the other. We may have more uh, proclivities to go towards Harper simply because we like him more and he's better in the ring. But at the same time, they're giving Rowan the same respect that they're giving Harper. And that makes most fans, by proxy, simply have to respect them equally. So I'm extremely excited about it. Man, you mentioned Janetti, and I was going to make a barbershop window joke, and now it's just lost. <laughs> I bet it's on the tip of Harry's tongue. Yeah, if it didn't get cut off with whatever other part of Harry's tongue did. <laughs> You're both fucking assholes. <laughs> I want to truly right. note that what? I've never denied that. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get back into the bulk of the program, guys. Let's talk about Raw. So, you know how we talked before on the reaction about how we figured that Cena and Ambrose would open Hell in a Cell leading to the winner getting Seth Rollins and the loser getting Randy Orton? Well, two-thirds of that picture became clear tonight on the episode of Monday Night Raw when it was officially announced at Hell in a Cell it will be John Cena and Dean Ambrose to open the show and the winner gets Seth Rollins inside of the cell. Um, A, your guys' thoughts on the segment itself, and B, do you think the Orton announcement will be made? I think something's got to happen with Orton. I mean, he's one of their, he's still one of their top draws. He's still an amazing athlete and uh, competitor. I don't know that they will, as Unless something happens in between now and Hell in the Cell, I don't know that he would need to be put into the match with the loser because I think that would hurt him more than anything unless he won that match. Because chances are, if I had to guess, they're going to put Cena over against Ambrose only because they want to prolong Ambrose and Rollins further down the line. And unless I'm mistaken there, I would think that it would be Cena and Rollins in the Hell in the Cell, and then, if need be, Ambrose and Orton. But I would like to see some sort of, you know, maybe distinction between Ambrose and Orton just as a motivation factor to keep the story running that, oh, I'm Orton, and now I want to face one of these two. Because up until now, it's been, oh, I've had to fight Rollins' battles for him. Why should I have to go fight the loser of this match? Because if he fights the loser of that match and loses, it puts him even lower on that totem pole, and I think it takes away from him, and I don't think that's necessary. I don't think it's... Now, I'm a big Orton fan, but fanboy aside, I just don't think it works right now because I'm not a fan of putting a guy into a match against the loser of another match and then losing. Well, the other thing is him even being put into that match in the first place kind of makes Orton look like a bitch. Exactly. And like I say, if you're put into a match 
with a guy who had a match earlier and lost, but then lose to them after they had already competed and should be more tired than you and all that jazz, I think it just takes away from it. I think it makes Orton an unbelievable character or competitor. And I don't think that's necessary as he's still one of their bigger draws. He's still one of the top five guys as far as I'm concerned with uh, Daniel Bryan and Reigns both being out right now. Not to mention bad news, Barrett. Tony, your thoughts on the segment tonight, as well as whether or not you think the Orton piece will be added to the pay-per-view card? Uh, yeah, the segment itself was fine. It was expected, but it was uh, it was fun to see. I think what I'm more worried about is the fact that not even worried. I would just I would love to see Ambrose versus Rollins headline a pay-per-view, especially one that's um, somewhat insignificant as Hell in the Cell. Moreover, one that, as we talked about last week, is just not worried about buys anymore. Um, now's the time to take your risks, and um, I just don't think they're going to be doing it. Uh, I think they're going to they're going to go with Cena. They're going to have Cena at the end. They're going to have Cena at the main event. They're going to have Cena standing tall. Cena's going to get his revenge way before Ambrose ever does. And then what? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I think the money, um, not the literal money, but at least the the fan, like in all of us, would rather see. Ambrose versus Rollins. And you know what else is that they would tear that shit up. If they didn't have fans before that match, they would create fans simply by being given that time and being given that gimmick. They would tear that thing up and possibly create two main event stars out of it instead of just getting the status quo of John Cena standing tall at the end of a pay-per-view. I'm inclined to agree here, especially with regards to what we discussed last week here on the reaction about giving this opportunity to Ambrose and Rollins to stand tall at the end of a special uh, at the end of a special event. Uh, what better way to make Dean Ambrose's name in the WWE as a future main eventer going forward than to have him beat Cena and then settle his score with Rollins in the same night at, at the Hell in a Cell Super Show. totally agree with that. When is the WWE ever went against the status quo, unfortunately? This type of event just screams Ambrose and Rollins in the main event. Ambrose and Rollins tearing it up. It's what all the fans want to see. They've been building it for months ever since the Shield was torn apart, and just as we think we're about to see it, they're going to put Cena over because that's what that company knows how to do. God, I hope not. But we'll guess we'll have to wait and find out what happens on the 26th. What is my next do? Oh, Dallas, Mark Henry. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Mark Henry, the big lug. Uh, I guess he's a heel now. We don't really know for sure. Um, but Bo Dallas, what, what, when he started... A lot of rumors are going around that they didn't believe in him, which is funny. Um, they didn't find his character, you know, yeah, worth keeping around. They felt that he wasn't, you know, established or whatever, whatever the case may be. Whatever, whatever reasons they didn't have to support him, the rumors were that they didn't support him, and it kind of showed in the shoddy booking and the unsure, um, you know, whether or not he's going to win. He had his undefeated streak, and then he had a losing streak, and then they kind of just pushed him away, and now he's back and. It's been a roller coaster ride. 
One thing that stays consistent with him is his character, though. It's just different enough to be annoying in the right way. And he's annoyed one of the biggest people in wrestling, Mark Henry. In doing so, he's created um, a little bit of a, I want to say, like, clout. Like, you know, he beat Mark Henry. And the first time, he beat him clean. The second time, of course, you could win by a countout. That's not that big of a deal. But the fact is, he's beating Mark Henry. He's he's like, I don't know, how, I'm pretty sure I weigh more than him. Um and he's young as hell, <laughs> but they're giving him, I, I, I hope, and it feels like they're giving him a chance. So um, the reason why I wanted to touch on it specifically was just to highlight the fact that maybe him beating Mark Henry the way he is is uh, hopefully leading to something a little bit bigger, and not for Mark Henry, but for Bo Dallas. Yeah, any win definitely helps Bo Dallas at this point, and two wins in a row whether it be clean or dirty over Mark Henry is definitely a helping hand to whatever it is that he's trying to do there. Uh, the guy is definitely staying strong with his character. His character hasn't changed at all. It's still the, all you have to do is believe no matter how hard it is to win. And I guess he's proved that with his shoddy booking. And it's just getting to the point now where you're hoping. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the same boat as Tony. I'm hoping that they do something with Bo Dallas. I'm hoping that, something big comes for him, maybe a mid-card title run, maybe just something different, maybe a nice storyline where he works here, they draw it out like they've drawn out storylines for Rollins and uh, Ambrose and stuff. I'm not saying that it needs to be main event caliber or anything like that, but at the same time, give him a little something. He's super young. He does whatever he can to put on a nice show for the people, and the people hate him. Either you love him or you hate him. That's the great thing about him. You're either a believer or you're not. There's no middle ground for him, which means he's doing exactly what he is supposed to do. Yeah, and if you hate him, you're supposed to. I mean, this isn't like Michael Cole and Xbox Heat. Xbox Heat. This is what you're supposed to do. You're like, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, two other things to touch on in regards to this. One is the fact that we might be seeing Bo maybe get the start of the taste of that title program you were talking about. He faces Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental title tomorrow on main event. Yeah, I noticed that. That's a nice little coup for him. Um, so maybe they are giving him some semblance of a program, or at the very least putting him just a little bit above um, where he was before on the card to give him some sort of credibility. Um, while we're while we're on the subject of someone taking their role to the next level and really pinpointing it, I don't think it's on the list, but I'm sure, Harry, you're going to love to Love the mention here that I give, but did you hear the chance for Sandow? Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that, Tony. It's time for Harry's hit. Nice. <laughs> here comes up. Here comes up. Here comes up. Harry's hit. Here comes up. Here comes up. Here comes up. Here comes up. Y'all don't really worry like I'm going to be brief with this, obviously, due to physical concerns here, but also because somebody summed up the situation perfectly for me already. And that guy is none other than independent star Darren Corbin. Not Baron Corbin from NXT. (laughs) But Darren Corbin had this to say. The fans are enjoying the Miz down match on the outside more than Sheamus and Miz in the ring. And realistically speaking, there's no better way to touch this than that. 
Sandow's out there having a match with a ghost on the outside of the floor while Sheamus and Miz is actually happening in the ring. And by the way, it looks like my thoughts about them flip-flopping the challengers for the ICN U.S. title is coming to fruition with Miz getting a pinfall victory over the champion tonight. But the, the fans are completely in favor of Sandow rather than paying attention to anything going on in the ring here. You almost have to think that this is going to lead towards the start of a babyface push for Mizdow because he's been so great at this character, aping Miz's every move, aping all the facial expressions and all of the body movements. And in addition, the crowd is getting behind him as well. Yeah, I would really like to see them do the old uh, I Love Lucy thing, like mirroring each other in the middle of the ring. I just want to see it. I don't know who else would love it, but I would think it's hilarious. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, there's the there's the you know the adage of dan- wrestling a broomstick to a five star match, and basically you got Sandow out there wrestling an invisible Sheamus who is pretty close to invisible in his own right, um, considering his skin color. Oh, and he's doing great, and he's <laughs> and he's and he's doing and he's hilarious in his portrayal, and he's mocking the Miz in every possible way. I mean, down to standing on the apron next to him, and a little backstage segment they did with Kane stealing the fruit. He's just on point, and never, not never, but rarely have I seen a character given shit, continued to get it, continued over and over and over again, and finally found a niche in which he created something that, although started off as somewhat, I mean, I think they were just fucking with him, turned it into something that could very well recreate his character. If we remember, Damien Sandow was at one point our intellectual savior. He has redefined that. He has become something completely different to the point where he's a new character that didn't have to be repackaged, that didn't get sent away for a year, came back with a different hairstyle, and just went with it. He's still Damien Sandow. His name is still the same, but he's added another element to his character that can and most likely will hopefully have a lot going forward in the future. I'm really excited. I'm really happy that he got out of the rut that he was in because it was pretty damn bad. Yeah, I used to say that Cody was the most versatile character in on the roster, rather, but I am so hard-pressed to put him in the second slot now with Damian Sandow working the way that he is as Damian Mizdow. And as you already mentioned, Harry, the people are behind him. He's having a five-star match on the outside with a guy that's not even there. And it's it's just perfect. It's exactly what he's, – he's pushing it to the point where it's over. The people are behind him. The people are watching that more than they're watching the actual match. But at the same time, he's not really doing anything. He, all he's doing is mimicking things. And people think it's the best thing in the world. If you don't have to work hard and you're more entertaining than what's in the match – and you have to be the next guy up. I, I don't know what I'll, how else to put it, really. Uh, I believe, as we officially phrased it before here on the reaction, nobody turns chicken shit to chicken salad quite like Damian Sandow. Very good possibility. And I would say, arguably, top to bottom on the roster, he's probably the most entertaining part of Raw on a consistent basis. Oh, don't don't leave out Minigator. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. All right, Tony, time to pour one out. God, it tastes so good. 
Um, yeah, the final do is uh, what the hell is the final do? I don't even have the rundown in front of me. Um, let's just wing it. Breen Nicky. So, oh yeah, those guys, girls, boobs. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, so what we're what we're having here is Bree is getting a taste of Nikki's medicine by being placed in matches that are similar to what she was placed in. Um, you know, when when Bree quit <clears throat> and uh we're getting we're getting to see Bree basically one up Nikki by winning said matches and in what could possibly be a a semblance of continuity and somewhat good storytelling, nobody cares. Um <laughs> no one gives a damn until the end of the match where she can shout out yes, yes, yes as a reminder that Daniel Bryan still exists and his cheers are still just as loud as they were before he was injured. Um, and I'm not going to sign on and say that they're doing it just because they're doing it. I I still want to hold on to the idea that Daniel Bryan is still more than a figment of our past and that fans still will latch on to him. Um, and I think that this little moment right here where she's shouting yes is a, is an integral key to his future success. In regards to the Bellas, I've got to completely agree with Jimmy. There is no emotion other than angry, sad, or happy. And all we're getting right now is angry and happy. Brie mode consists of two faces, and I'm not interested in either one of them. Um, Wait, well, you mean you mean boring mode, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I actually think Brie Mode, uh, I believe the face she makes for Brie Mode is constipation, but I'm not sure. Ah, constipation mode. That's also a good way to get in the ring. Yeah. Well, it was just, uh, it's just, I mean, you know, there, there, there's, it's just unnecessary. <laughs> all of it, all of it's just boring. And it's another segment on the show where I want to get up and walk away, but have to type what's going on, so can't. Yeah, it's, well, it's definitely thing, one of those. You know, well, the thing for me is at least they're actually doing some sense of continuity here by having Bree overcoming all these challenges that Nikki was facing, though. I mean, it's nice that we're actually able to get a decent bit of storytelling here, even though, as you said, nobody really cares about the two participants the storytelling is involving. Well, that, that's just the thing here. If nobody cares about the story because the portrayers aren't doing it right that's like going to a second graders you know play and watching all the kids run out and pretend that they're all signing the declaration of independence nobody really cares nobody really believes they're doing it so why should we believe that Bree and nikki actually hate each other when we're watching total divas and seeing that they still love each other because they're breaking yeah. up hit total divas yet i don't know you're asking the wrong person the the gimmick is dumb, the storyline is great, but the acting is dumb, the acting is bad, the entertainment level is below that of a second grade play, and, you know, like I said, it's it's exactly what Tony just said. It's happy, then sad, then angry. There's no almost, you know, anything, because they don't know how to build up those facial features like A.J. Lee does. They don't know how to work the crowd like A.J. Lee does. And I think the last time I heard Bree yell at her sister, it sounded more like she was yelling at her dog for shitting on the carpet. No, Mickey! No! You gotta watch this damn dog. They'll poop on your carpets. 
Hijacked my soundboard to post that. I had nothing to do with that. Aww, for the rest of it. Put in. We have another topic to touch to on, Tony. Oh, okay. Let's talk One about raw. <laughs> Good idea. Let's. Uh, I gotta say, the topic that you posted here is interesting. So I'm gonna let you go ahead and talk, touch on it to start here. And the topic <clears> that we got in our format from Tony here is Roman Reigns has the ship sailed. Um, yeah, the reason why I brought it up is because they hyped the return, not the return, but the um, the fact that Roman Reigns would be on Raw in one way, shape, or form, whether he was in the ring or uh, via satellite or whatever. We, you know, some people knew, some people didn't, but you just knew that Roman Reigns was going to be there tonight. He said absolutely nothing of importance. There was no reason whatsoever for him to be on. He said, "I'm doing all right. Wish I was there to put on my best and beat someone's ass." He could have tweeted that, and he probably has. There was no update other than that he doesn't look too bad in a ponytail. Um, there was just it was just a completely pointless segment, and it led me to believe that not not that the ship I don't think the ship is sailed. I think that you can rebuild anyone if done properly. You can you can make a star in one night if done properly. They've done it. They just don't do it often. Um, however, with the attention span of the wrestling fan, with the reality that there's so many hours of wrestling, you know. Um, where's his place in the card? Will it still be there when he gets back? Was the reaction he received tonight something that you expected? Was it loud? Was it not loud? Was it something that you wanted to more of? Did you expect something more? Because I know I did. I wanted, <clears throat> he's always been a man of few words. He's always been the dude that, you know, a lot of people say, if you keep his promo short, it's really effective and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, when you're about to kick someone's ass, saying, I'm going to kick your ass is enough. But when you're injured, vulnerable, sitting there, I'm going to need something a little bit more than I'm a badass. Because right now, you're not a badass. Right now, you are injured. Right now, anyone can go over and kick you, and you're you know, going to hurt. So where's the vulnerability? Where's the reality? Where's the character? Where's the semblance of care, not just from the fans, but you know, from him, from, from the commentary? It almost feels like they did it because they had to. And I can't fully sign on to that. No, I totally agree with that tonight. He didn't really say much. I think he said all of ten words in his you know, little satellite interview. And basically, the words that I even remember hearing are, I, I, miss, I wish I could put on the best. And I was like, well, why don't you put it on? <laughs> get, in, get into your gear, dude. It, it, you have a hernia, not a broken neck. And even then, pretty sure DV would throw on his tights if they asked him to. And it was just, like I said, it was just so dumb. He's just... It's exactly like Tony said. He didn't say anything. He said, I'm going to kick someone's ass if I was there, but I'm not, so I won't. And that was basically the idea of it. Um, like I said, the vest thing was what got me because he was like, oh, I wish I could put on the vest. I was like, so put on the vest. No one's stopping you. Like, no one's telling you you can't wear your gear around the house. <laughs> it's not like but he has a wife that'll say, nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, I, I, in I, regards to the, I saw it, and it was bad. 
In regards to Tony's point here, will his spot be there when he gets back? Yes and no. Will his spot at the top of the card be there when he gets back? Yes. Will his spot at the top baby face at the card be there when he gets back? The answer to that is no, because I think he's going to get usurped by Dean Ambrose if he hasn't already been completely. Yeah, no, injuries will definitely throw you down on the card until they build you back up. I don't necessarily think that they're going to turn him heel, and I'm not even necessarily totally sold that Ambrose has usurped him just yet. I think I would need just a little bit more to believe that. Um, You know, two weeks out doesn't change a whole lot. Uh, Ambrose is going to be Ambrose. He's going to be over regardless. I think that his storyline with Rollins is going to go through the new year, probably to the Rumble, if I had to guess. Um, But if, once again, it's one of those things where you you got to question where the loyalty in the booking lies, I guess. Because obviously the book, the, the loyalty still lies with Dean Ambrose, or not Dean Ambrose, I'm sorry, Roman Reigns, because they took the time to do that 30-second satellite interview that was totally unnecessary because he didn't want to put on his vest. And it's just that that's where I think I stand with that. And it's just, it lacked. The booking lacks. Um, uh, the satellite interview was just, it was, it's like Tony said, it was unnecessary. And is his spot still there? I'd say yes. If anything, that satellite interview of 30 seconds proved that. They want people to remember Roman Reigns as if they could forget him after two weeks. But, you know, the attention span of a wrestling fan. But we'll see where it goes when he returns. All right, let me ask you this here, and then we'll get to the final reaction. Um, let's say the unthinkable happened to Hell in a Cell, and Ambrose beats Cena and then gets that main event spot with Rollins. Would you admit then that Ambrose has taken Reigns' spot as the up-and-coming babyface? No. No, because I don't think it ends there. I think that those two tear apart Hell in a Cell, but at the same time, they just they make the people beg for more because that's what those two are capable of. I think once Roman's back, depending on if it's in December, January, February, I think that he's going to get inserted right where they left off. He's going to be fighting against Orton, uh, Rollins, Kane. He'll still be that anti-authority guy because he didn't get to finish what he started with Rollins. And then maybe after that, you know, we'll see if they push him into the heavyweight title picture or not. But right now, I don't technically or necessarily see him losing his spot. Yeah, and your thoughts here? Like, does there really have to be, you know, like, why can't they both be top baby faces? Um, If even if they aren't, if if you if we're looking at a hierarchy then Reigns is going to be at the top no matter what because he's got the look and the size and he's got the um, the familial background that it's just going to get with him. Ambrose is, he will be lucky if he's able to fit the Stone Cold mold and go with that route. Um, but as for right now, he's Roddy Piper, which is a main event player that just never got all the way to the top. Um, 
and you know maybe we'll be okay with it. Uh, but as far as I as far as I go and as far as I stand, I want to believe that they are both capable of being at the top, and <clears throat> and I want them to be. I want them to be up there. I want him to tear it up with Ambrose uh, or with Rollins. I want him to continue being a part of this bigger you know main event roster. I want them to eventually show that the you know there was a time where the top of the card was somewhat interchangeable. There was a time where we could have a fatal four way at a WrestleMania and all four be legit contenders. Um, you know, is that happening right now? I don't know, but I don't think so. Are they leading to it? Highly unlikely. But I'm gonna hold my hopes and say that maybe they are. Hopefully they're smart enough to realize that Cena is not indestructible, that he's extremely stale, and that he's you know, he's a veteran now. Do you think it's possible that they might try to go towards the seal triple threat at WrestleMania 31? Hmm. Especially given the fact that Reigns' timetable for return from injury has him set for a return right around the Royal Rumble. I have no doubt that Rollins, Ambrose, and Reigns should be uh, in a triple threat match at the upcoming WrestleMania. Will that happen? That's yet to be seen. We're still nine months out. And the problem with that is injuries happen, storylines happen, contracts happen, things happen. You can't, I don't want to try to predict something like that this far ahead of time. Because, like I said, who would have guessed that Roman Reigns would have had a hernia over the, two weeks ago? Who would have guessed that Daniel Bryan and my man, bad news, Barrett, would be out all of a sudden for these inexplicable injuries that just happened. That's the risk they take in that ring. And is that what I want to happen? I want to see that triple threat? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's got five-star classic written all over it. And these guys could probably do that same match for the next 10 years at WrestleMania, and we'd still be okay with it. Everybody would still be okay with it. But like I say, it's one of those things where you want it, you want it, you want it, but you don't want to put all of your, you know, eggs, and you don't want to count your eggs, you don't want to put all your chicken in the basket, whatever the hell the analogy is. That's just one of those things where you don't quite, you know, feel safe doing that just yet. <clears throat> all right. I'm anything else you guys want to touch? Anything else you guys want to touch on before we hit the final reaction? Yeah, follow nah. that up, Acero. Oh, you want me to? I don't care. I'm just making fun of you. I couldn't. I didn't it's have a fight. Why didn't you say Harry? <laughs> I just didn't have anything clever to say to Harry, so I thought I'd make fun of you real quick. All right, everyone gets one. Play nice, boys. <laughs> Is that like a Did open challenge to make fun of you? If you don't play nice, Harry will give you a tongue lashing of a lifetime. Oh, <laughs> but he can't. Bum, bum, uh. I knew you lying and she'd sound right here. Fucking bullshit! <laughs> oh, man. I wonder if we can get on that. All right. Uh, which one of you guys wants to go first? I'll go first. 
right. Favorite um, favorite moment on the show tonight? Oh, man. You know what? I'm going to go with the hot dog cart. I mean, I said about halfway through the show, listen, first of all, I'm a fat dude. I'm allowed to say that. Number two, I called about halfway through the show that if Seth Rollins didn't get hit in the face with a Coney Island hot dog, I was going to be all sorts of disappointed. Sure enough, during the main event, Dean Ambrose walks out with a Coney Island hot dog cart, and I go, oh, man, this is going to be fantastic. And it was. He got hit with some relish and sauerkraut and all the good stuff, and then he got the dogs and the buns thrown at him, and I'm like, you know what? This is exactly what I wanted. This was perfect, and that was my favorite part of the night. <clears throat> Your least favorite moment on tonight's show. Oh, the Bellas. I'm gonna I'm gonna give <laughs> the I'm gonna give the midget wrestling the benefit of the doubt here. The Bellas they've had their chance. They've not gotten garnered any interest. And that's why I just I cannot get into them. I was actually gonna spare the Bellas this week because there was something worse. There was, I mean, there was plenty of bad, but I just, I can't enjoy something they put on a weekly basis that doesn't garner any interest or attention. All right, that's a fair enough answer to that. Uh, your overall rating for tonight's show and why? I'm going to give it a, are we like letter grading or are we going out of 10? I want to make sure I do the right letter. thing and I'll look like an idiot. Letter grade? I'll go a C-. minus. I just thought tonight was an under-average show. They tried to save it with the rock and with the hot dog cart and the, but I mean it was this, almost the same main event and just it's been the past week for both shows. Uh, the Bellas are bad. I thought that was bad. The the six man wasn't terrific. The Rock brought it back up to a nine, but then uh, the whoever those people are, Hoda and Kathy Lee, they brought it back down to a C minus. It's just, there was, I understand the, the whole, you know, uh, Komen foundation, you know, and I respect that and I have nothing against something like that, but to bring all these people in who are unnecessary, you know, they, they already plug it enough on the show for me, but yet then they have to bring people in to talk about it. And they did, they brought in the representative of the, of the organization, but then they brought in all these other people that had no business being on the show. It's like, you guys have, you have guys in the back that want to work and you're putting these people out there like Kathy Lee and one of the other bitches and you're putting them out front with Adam Rose and that stupid bunny. And you're like, Oh, here, this is entertaining. No, it's not entertaining. This is world wrestling entertainment. Entertain me with wrestling from people in the world. That's what you're supposed to do. And that's why they get a C minus. Some bunny has I didn't understand that, Harry. Pull your tongue out of your teeth. That bunny has JBL heat from Jimmy C. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm on the same boat as JBL. I hope he punches that stupid bunny in the face. Reminds me of the line JBL got in a while back. I got one clothesline from hell left in me, and that rabbit's looking to get it. <laughs> exactly. That's that's how I hope he goes out. Clotheslining the hell out of that stupid body. All right, Tony, your most favorite moment on tonight's show. Um. Well, there is this one. Don't be nice, Tony. AJ, 
AJ like Don't be skipped. nice. That was pretty nice. Oh, that was probably my favorite moment. It was poignant. You watch it in slow motion, and it has a longer-lasting effect. Um, no, The Rock was a pleasant surprise. And, I mean, like I said, um, as as cool as it was to see him, it was also done the right way. Um, so I got to applaud them for that. And it's just, it's always nice to see him on the microphone. All right, how about your least favorite moment from tonight's show? Kathy Lee and the Egyptian Yoda, for sure. I mean, wine bottles cracking on asses and, like, what's going on? I, I just, what is this What is this here for? Um, they said breast cancer, it's like, once. Business. They just... They they mentioned it. The 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 lady that came out and did her little speech did more for the entire segment as well as the emotion behind the pool that you're trying to get here, as well as the foundation itself, than Kathy Lee or Hoda did in the entire segment that they had. It was cheesy, it was corny, it was out of place completely. Um, it didn't make much sense in terms of the show. I mean, when did the guest host ever, you know, make any type of sense? Um I will at the very least give them credit for seeming to be excited for giving a legit, you know, um, performance, I guess you could say, because I highly doubt that they actually watch wrestling. Um, but at the very end of the day, at the end of the show, it was, it was pointless. I didn't need it. I don't think anybody else needed it. I really don't think it brought any type of awareness. Um, Cena showing up on their show did more than them showing up on our show ever will do. So they definitely get my vote for the worst. Exactly. Um, one quick question I want to ask both of you about that there, in regards to the uh, to the, the reactions to the two segments there. Did you notice how much more civil the crowd was towards Joan London than they were towards Kathy Lee and Hoda? It's about That's respect. She she's a representative of that organization. Of course, they're going to be more civil to her because she's not there to put on some sort of stupid stunt like the Egyptian Yoda and Kathy Lee was. They, she was there <laughs> to thank them to appreciate the WWE universe, to actually bond the WWE and the Komen administration. Those other two went out there with that stupid frickin' bunny, and they put on a 60-second a, a segment of retardation that everyone in that building was dumber from. They broke a bottle on their asses. I mean... Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Your letter grade in Y, Tony. Um, Don't be nice, I'm gonna stick, Don't be nice. I'm going to stick with a solid C-. Um, this show really didn't have anything redeemable. They didn't do anything that we didn't know already. They confirmed things that we knew. Um, there wasn't, you know, the, 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 the thing is, The Rock, like, I mean, like I said throughout the entire show, having him on there was great, was amazing. But every single time he's on there, it shows it shows just how stagnant the product is and continues to be. Um, I wasn't writing when the Attitude Era was, um, a thing, but I was in the know. I was a huge fan of 411. I knew behind the scenes stuff. I went to shows. I talked to wrestlers. I was, you know, I knew that this was all created by someone and that there were storyboards involved. And I was invested in characters. I was invested in storylines. I was trying to see what happened next. I was so anxious for SmackDown spoilers because I had to know what happened after Raw. That emotion is almost completely gone. And it's it's comparing. When I see The Rock, I see the younger me 
printing out SmackDown spoilers and betting people at school what's going to happen on Thursday because they have no idea that it's filmed on Tuesdays. I I feel <laughs> I remember, you know, being super excited about the show and about what's coming. And it's not that I lost my fandom and it's not that I've become a jaded internet writer. It's definitely not that. It's simply the fact that the product just isn't as good anymore. And that's not to say that the Attitude Era had all good. There was some bad stuff. But it was levied by the amount of sheer quality storytelling and characters. And today, it seems like we have so much talent on that roster, and no one knows what the hell to do with it. C minus. <laughs> I think my favorite part of the show tonight was obviously The Rock. I mean, as you guys said, it's just it's clear the gap between when a guy like The Rock shows up or when a guy like Austin shows up and reminds us what it was like when these people come off the cuff and just say things that are how they're really feeling. Or And The Rock's able to put over Rusev in his own way before bringing him back down by taking him out of the ring. It's all right, Harry. We're almost done. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm trying. Trust me. Try us throw lozenge or something. My least favorite part of the show was Cassie Lee and Hoda because as you guys sat there, the only thing that that segment really did for this entire show was expose the business with the bottles. I mean, yeah, to a lot of wrestling fans, it's pretty common knowledge that a lot of the bottles that they used were gimmick and gimmicked and stuff, but if you're going to have a couple of talk show hosts breaking bottles over each other's asses, what's the fucking point? Amen and if you were... And if you were going to do a segment for Susan G. Komen for The Cure tonight, stick with the poignant passion of Joan London's speech at the very end of the show and the respectful reaction that the crowd gave her as compared to the complete and utter booing out of the building that the fans, deservedly so, gave Kathy Lee and Hoda. Or as you put it, Egyptian Yoda. That's a great nickname, by the way. We may have to use that going forward. Absolutely. Let me... <laughs> Hopefully we never see her on this show again and it won't be a problem, but still. Yeah. I'm gonna go a little bit um before you before you give the rating, what was it that Michael Cole said that we said last week? What were you talking about? Um just pointing out that uh Bree's able to handle the, the uh chart the uh challenges that Nikki had and able to keep, come up with victories in the matches. And that was oh, part okay. of the storytelling that we pointed out last week on the reaction that when Bree got put into a handicap match, she came up with a victory, whereas Nikki never won in a single one of those matches. Okay, continue. Um, my Don't overall right grade, it's a C. Not a C plus, not a C minus, just a regular C. And I think The Rock does enough for it to justify me giving it a solid C. In addition, the stuff with Ambrose and Rollins going for it, and in addition to the teasing of the eventual singles confrontation between Ambrose and Cena that we got tonight that we didn't really talk a lot about. And the fact that it was Ambrose that stood tall at the end of the show by taking down Cena. I don't think we gave them enough credit for having the courage to pull the trigger on that. Well, that's what gives me a little bit of hope as to rather Ambrose might have a chance to pick up the victory in their singles match at Hell in a Cell. Yeah, good point. Uh, so that's all I got for tonight. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on before we get out of here? 
What was up with the creepy guy with the lip behind Miz tonight? Anybody make a gif out of that? <laughs> Not that I've seen. I did a quick search immediately after because somebody asked for it, but um, I didn't see anything yet. Yeah, if but I knew you know, how to make gifts, that would have been the first thing I did before getting on the review tonight. <laughs> Wait, Man, that, what did hey, I miss? You know what? Well, go you ahead didn't see that dude with the big lip? It was like this dude, like, uh-uh. in the, right before the commercial break during the, the Sheamus and Miz match, where they panned over to Miz standing on the outside of the ring after he powdered before missing the brogue kick. And as he stood there, there was this guy that, like, came up over his shoulder, real creepy, with, like, tongue sticking out. It was the creepiest thing I've ever seen. And this is on a show where we had a pregnant chick with the words, it's coming on her belly. Well, if you go back, if you can go back and watch the Miz Sheamus match right before the commercial, where he ducks out of the brogue kick, look for this guy to come up over Miz's right shoulder. He is weird looking. He's a scary dude, and I would not want him standing behind me anywhere. I have to give that look. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us here. Jimmy Christopher, yeah. Tony Acero, I'm Harry, I'm Harry Broadhurst. You've been listening to the reaction on Powerhouse Radio for October 6th, 2014. Hopefully, I don't sound like a friend of Swagger next week. See what happens. Have a good night, everybody, and we'll catch you next Monday here on The Reaction. You both assholes. Bye! The Raw Reaction, a presentation of Powerhouse Radio.